And just Third like time, a game winner, and this one wins the series. Uh, just tell me what's going through your mind. I just knew there wasn't much time left, and just try to take one in the net, and uh, great screen, great play by Barkian. Listen to these guys, unbelievable. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to do it in front of these fans, and just a, a really unbelievable feeling right now. When you arrived here in the summer, you talked about wanting to be the last team standing, so now you're going to the cup final. What's it mean to you? It means everything. It means... Uh, we're not done yet. We saw uh, a lot better hockey left in front of us, and we're really excited for it. Oh, boy. Okay, so that's Matthew Kachuk. And right away, the conversation as he scores a game-winning goal last night in the dying seconds of the goal. 4.9 scores on the power play. We're going to go over the Jordan Stahl penalty. We're going to go on the, the goaltender interference controversy in a second year. Uh, but once again, Matthew Kachuk is the hero. Matthew Kachuk is one of the stars of the game, and the Florida Panthers are off to the Stanley Cup final. Now, a quick word about the Carolina Hurricanes here. And I'm going to get into Carolina a little bit later on in the program. Um, this is a fascinating team. This is a team that when you play a squad like the Florida Panthers, it kind of shows you where the warts are and where you need work and what muscles you need to exercise more. Um, but I don't know about you, but this one did not feel like a sweep. Like, normally along the way when a team gets swept, uh, there's a couple of games, or at least one game, where it's like 6-2 or 7-1, right? And four one-goal games. This one did not feel like a sweep. Having said that, I do expect there, and I think we all do, uh, expect there to be changes in Carolina. We're going to get to that with Elliot Friedman coming up. Uh, not in a couple of moments like he normally does, but coming up in hour two, Elliot's... Uh, uh, otherwise detained, uh, as we like to say in this industry, um, for hour one. So Elliot stops by an hour two. And amongst the other things that we'll talk about is what's next for the Carolina Hurricanes. A uh, number of decisions on the horizon for Don Waddell and Assistant General Manager Eric Tulski. What could those be? Where do they need to massage? Uh, starts with signing at least one goaltender. Uh, but we'll get there in a second. Meanwhile, the story of the day of the Florida Panthers. I know it's game day as well, and we may see the Vegas Golden Knights sweep. Uh, the Dallas Stars, uh, no Jamie Benn, the two-game suspension uh, as the Department of Player Safety announced yesterday. We'll get there too, folks. Uh, but a couple more thoughts on the Florida Panthers here as you bring in Matt Marchese, our producer. And, uh, and full, can we call you full-time fill-in host now? Is that official so. as you inch closer and closer to nudging me out the door? Well, they look at it and go, oh, we still want to run this show. And, okay, Matt's around. Just get him. Just get mad. He's but, just, just, just kind of there. Just go, go, go make some <laughs> hockey sounds. So one of the things, um, one of the things about this impending Stanley Cup final is it doesn't matter whether it's Dallas or it's Vegas who ends up in the final. What we are going to get, Matt Marchese, is a Stanley Cup final, or shall we say it, a no-tax state Stanley Cup final. The Florida Panthers against either the Dallas Stars or the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, we spent a lot of time uh, on this program and elsewhere talking about, you know, woe is Canada. How come, you know, Canada has a Canadian-based NHL team, hasn't won a Stanley Cup going back to 1993 with the Montreal Canadiens. And many always say, well, they only won the Cup because the Islanders upset the Pittsburgh Penguins. Nonetheless, they won the Cup. Um, and one of the things we kept coming back to is, I think rightfully so, players have a very finite amount of time to make as much money as they can, and they would like to put as much of that money in their jeans as possible. And one of the ways it's very attractive to do that is to play hockey in a no-tax state. So we will have the no-tax state final. Florida Panthers against either the Vegas Golden Knights, that's likely, or the Dallas Stars. 
if they can pull the miracle comeback here without Jamie Benn. Your thoughts on the no-tax state final. Now, it has happened before, a couple of years ago, Tampa and Dallas, but that was the bubble, so I kind of put an asterisk on that one. But nonetheless, no-tax state final, Matt Marchese. You know, it's funny because I actually mentioned this to Elliot a couple weeks ago. Um, I believe you were in Carolina, actually. Hmm. And I had and I had mentioned to him, I said, you know, like for all the people that are griping about Canadian teams not having an advantage, they do have an advantage in that the players are living in Canada for the duration of the season and they pay for things in Canadian dollars while getting paid in U.S. dollars. There is There is at least a small advantage to that. But let's also talk about like the weather is a disadvantage. So you got to, this is why building through the draft is important. Much like, you know, a team like um, Dallas has done where they've built, you know, really good players through the draft. You look at the the big three of, of Robertson and Ottinger and, uh, and Heisken it. Mm-hmm. That's how you're, if you're a Canadian team, that's what you have to focus on because it is getting harder and harder to acquire high-end talent via free agency. Even though there is an advantage that, you know, the the currency, yeah. I mean, players are making 30% more um, and spending less, so there should be some advantage there, but it's going to come down to weather. Like, Jeff, if if and this is no disrespect to Edmonton or Calgary or Winnipeg or even Toronto, whoever, it doesn't matter. For the duration of a season, would you rather not head to the rink in flip-flops and shorts? Because I'm not going to lie, yeah. I really like doing that. You I know, love men's league in the summer for that reason alone. Where And I don't want to turn the beginning of the show, and, and Gary Galley is going to come up here in a couple of uh, moments, and Bill Lindsay joins me bottom of the hour, Elliot Friedman in, uh, in hour two to kick it off. I don't want to turn into you know grousing about why Canada can't win a Stanley sure. Cup here, but... Um, you know, the one thing, I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last week, all the days and weeks run together at this point of year. Um, you know, one play, one person who uh, is no longer playing in the NHL but working in hockey mentioned to me, and, and, and he's played in both, uh, warm weather, cold weather winters. He said, you guys don't spend enough time talking about what warm weather does for your body. He says, yeah. every time I watch Canadian hockey players, you know, come back to Canada and get off the plane and they're all bundled up and they're shivering. And then I watch, you know, their American counterparts, you know, stateside in, in, the, in the deep south, you know, wander off a plane in like casual, you know, breezy, cool, stylish suits uh, and sunglasses as a gentle breeze blows through their hair. It's like, you guys don't pay enough attention to that and how much, how much that does for your body and how much that does for both your physical and mental Health. Nonetheless, uh, I want to say a couple of things about the Florida Panthers here. So one, this isn't the Florida. I know we make a lot about, oh, the Florida Panthers just barely made it into the playoffs. You know, they got lucky and they got in. Uh, there's that game, the uh, the Pittsburgh-Chicago game on that Tuesday, and everything broke properly. Opened the door for the Florida Panthers, and it gave the Blackhawks the requisite number of balls to draft Connor Bedard first overall. One of the more, con- like one of the, one of the more consequential regular season, late season games, probably in NHL history, when you look at the effects of it. But one of the things about the Florida Panthers here is getting to the Stanley Cup final. If you look at the teams they beat, these are zero slouches. And I know I've talked a lot in the past, what, month, Maddie, about the 2012 Los Angeles Kings and how there is that 2020, that 2012 vibe about these, um, about these Florida Panthers, they beat in the Eastern Conference the number one team, the Boston Bruins. They beat the number two team, most recently, 
the Carolina Hurricanes, swept them. And they beat the number four team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. When you talk about getting there the hard way or, you know, not just speed bumps, but speed spikes in front of you, the Florida Panthers did this the hard way. And I don't want to say they made it look easy. That Boston series was tough. The Carolina series was, you know, four one-goal games. But they kind of, I don't want to say they breeze through, but they look like a buzzsaw right now heading into the Stanley Cup final against, we expect Vegas, but, you know, uh, a long shot chance here, the Dallas Stars. They look fantastic here, Maddie. They do, and and we can even go back further than you know talking about making it difficult for yourself. Like Jeff, there there was a point in in this season where you and I had the conversation of the pick, their pick, which is owned by Montreal, could be a lottery pick. Oh yeah, and we had that conversation. We're going okay. It, it's it's possible. Like if you go back to January first, the Florida Panthers were yeah. eight points out of a playoff spot. Eight points out, and they managed to lead. They were fourth from the bottom in the Eastern Conference. They were closer to being a lottery team than they were so, to being a playoff team. So, this is like the Blues. Yeah. No, it, there, there's an element of St. Louis to this as well. So he, here's a tweet last night from Adam Vingan, all right, who works with us here at Sportsnet, does work with Sport Logic as well. This is from last night, Adam tweeting. Mind-boggling stat from the NHL. The Panthers were in a playoff spot for only 28% of the regular season. Wow. 54 of 190 days, they were in a playoff spot. They are the only team in the NHL's expansion era that goes to 67, where the league went from 6 to 12, to reach the final after spending less than 30% of the season in a playoff spot. So, so Jeff, in addition to that, this is, and this is where, this is where I love this debate. And I know we're going to get to Gary in a second here. The yeah. teams that they beat, the three teams that they've beaten so far have been comfortably in playoff positions. Boston, since the opening puck drop mm-hmm. of the season, the light, uh, the, the Leafs and the, and the hurricanes much the same. Whereas, Tam- whereas Florida has really had to, claw their way and they've played playoff hockey since January. They may not have played it very well since January because yeah. we talk about their defensive deficiencies and the issues in that, but now they're here yeah. and it's pretty wild. It's wild. Um, Matthew Kachuk is a star scores with 4.9 seconds remaining in the game. I'm expecting that, you know, the next time the Carolina hurricane next season, the Florida Panthers play the, uh, the Carolina hurricanes uh, 4.9 has to show up somewhere either on T-shirts or hats or social media. That's just the nature of what we do now. That's just the nature of how teams troll one another now uh, around the NHL. Um, and as much as we talk about Matthew Kachuk last night, it, this is Sergei Bobrovsky's Conn Smythe Trophy to lose for me. I know a lot of people make noise because of clutch goal scoring and game-winning goals and how much he means and all of it and you know the face of the franchise, Matthew Kachuk, but this is the Bobrovsky Trophy to lose. Now the Stanley Cup um, final will feature the Florida Panthers. Uh, all right, Bill Lindsay coming up more on the Panthers at the bottom of the hour. In the meantime, from the NHL on Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada, our good friend Gary Galley joins me here. Gary, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So let me, um, I mean, listen, you played in the NHL. You'll know this more than, you know, me and Matt Marchese, you know, waxing poetic about it. Um, 
this is going to be the all no tax state Stanley Cup final. Whether it's Vegas or Dallas, Florida's already through. This will be a Stanley Cup final where both teams play in no tax states. And we've made a lot about how these are all, you know, sunny climbs, you know, not not wintry climbs traditionally or or snowy climbs rather. You know, I had one person who played in both the southern United States and also in Canada mentioned to me the one thing you guys in the media never talk about. And he's addressing me specifically. He's like, you never talk about this. And it's a big thing for players. You never talk about the weather and its effect on not just the physical health, but the mental health for players as well. That when you play in a sunnier place, you just feel better all day long. You don't walk off the plane and you're instantly shivering. How much of an effect, is, as, a, as a player, Gary, does that have on a player? Well, if if you get to if you're fortunate enough and you're a good enough player that you get to pick and choose where you want to play, <laughs> that's fantastic. For a lot of the players that play in the National Hockey League, they're grateful to step off a plane into any city that they're playing in because they're just thankful and blessed to be in the National Hockey League. For people that are, you know, that that twenty percent that is, uh, you know, the stars of the league that can pick and choose where they go. Mm. Absolutely, uh, the location that you play in, the location you put your family in. Uh, that they're going to thrive in and enjoy all that stuff. Um, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed my years in Los Angeles, my six years, uh, I, you know, but man, I, I love Boston too and, and Philly. And, uh, you know, you go through the teams that you play played on and, and you look back at it at the end and, you know, you, you, you can find happiness anywhere. It's all in a state of mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, certainly, certainly uh, having knowing that your family, you know, is in a, a good spot and knowing, like you said, getting off and feeling the sunshine, playing around a golf in between when you get three, four day break or something. Mm-hmm. Those are things that certainly make make your life a little easier and you feel good about it for sure. Uh, I don't argue. I won't I won't deny that that's not important. Okay, I want to get to game four here in a couple of seconds. Just, Do you have a quick thought on what we just saw between the Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes? I mean, Bobrovsky was spectacular. The legend of Matthew Kachuk grows. Is there anything specific, Gary, that you take? I know you're not covering this one, but is there anything that you take out of this series? I, I got to tell you, <clears throat> excuse me, I got to tell you, I, I am just, uh, you know, a, a team that just is destined. I mean, you look at the Florida Panthers coming in the eighth seed and just kind of, going about their business, but people don't realize this is a team that was picked to be in the top uh, four or five teams in, in, yep. in the East. And, uh, and they just struggled throughout the year, which was, which was really hard to understand how a team that had this kind of talent and they picked up a guy like Kachuk and, and the way Montour was playing, they just seemed to not find the gears, the right gears to get into, but they hit it at the right time. And as you know, Jeff, timing is everything. When you when your goalie gets hot, when your team starts to feel good, when you start getting all the puck luck and the bounces and scoring the big goals, yeah. you know I go back to that year where Montreal won the cup. They had ten overtime wins. Like who could even think that you could win ten overtime games? You know, like it just blows your mind. And when you look at a team like Dallas who can't win an overtime game, mm-hmm. and their coach pretty much said as much uh, two three uh, after game one that if you don't win an overtime in the playoffs, it's hard to get where you want to go. And uh, and you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, you look at the Florida Panthers, they're winning those games in overtime. Even they're winning games they don't deserve to win sometimes. These are what, this is what dictates the teams that go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm-hmm. It's not always the most talented. And this is what makes the Stanley Cup so wonderful and so great. Uh, you know, and uh, for Florida, I, I'm, I'm happy for Florida fans. They got there, one, you know, once before and, 
and the Avalanche, you know, uh, you know, uh, took them down. But yep. you know, this is another opportunity for them, and it's a different team and a different era and everything. And the, and the Kachuk thing, like the Cons might honestly, if Florida was to go on and win the Stanley Cup, I would say that that would be an argument to have two guys win the Cons I think you could actually hmm. appease a lot of people and say, uh, and say, you know what, these both, you, this is incredible. You can't pick one or the other. That's how tight it is. And that, I know that's not going to happen, but I'm just saying a lot of people could see the yeah. argument there. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm at the, this other series, and I saw Vegas play Winnipeg in the first round. And when they dismantled Winnipeg, I said to John Bartlett, that's your Stanley Cup winner right there. It's mm. Vegas. Well, it's you- Vegas <clears throat> for sure. You know, let, 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 let's get there because tonight's game four and the Dallas Stars will be without Jamie Benn. And I don't know if it's just a rest day or there's something there, not not skating today, but no Chobovalski uh, at the skate today. Um, Rec Gardner's been called up. Maverick Bork's been called up as well. We'll see what happens with Peter DeBoer's squad. But, you know, mentioning the Vegas Golden Knights, and, and you're right, like they look like like they're a wagon right now. Like everything is going. Aiden Hill looks fantastic. Um, we already know like how good and big and strong that, that blue line is. But the guy that I keep coming back to, as much as Mark Stone has been exceptional, and he, he really has, the guy that I keep coming back to, we talk about, you know, coming out parties and what, you know, everybody knows Matthew Kachuk and is such a great playoff for Matthew Kachuk. Man, I'm telling you, and I'm not in a minority here either, we're saying the same thing about Jack Eichel. You know, the first day of the first game in the playoffs, he looked out of place and didn't know what was going on. Like, oh, geez, wow, this is a this is a this is a different game. But right now, like if the Vegas Golden Knights make it to the Stanley Cup final and keep playing like this as much as, you know, Bob and Kachuk might be your your candidates for the Florida Panthers. Right now, if you're going to award the Conn Smythe Trophy in the West, it's got to be Jack Eichel. He just keeps on getting better and better. And that line is hot, Gary. Yeah, uh, you know what? It's really been a. Uh, it's really been nice to see him finally, uh, you know, be front and center, because yeah. he's been second fiddle to Connor right from the get go. Um, you know, he goes to a team where he feels like he has to be the guy that does it all, uh, and if he doesn't, there's no way they can win. He puts a lot of pressure on himself, and when you do that, it, it doesn't always work out. And it, things got, you know, as we know in Buffalo, it didn't work out uh, very well there. And eventually, now he gets to a team where he doesn't have to think that way. Mm. He doesn't have to say, hey, if I'm not going, we can't win. He goes, well, I, I don't have to worry about that. All I have to worry about is what I do and how I play. And for Bruce Cassidy, who who I think is just a wonderful coach, and I, 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 I talked to Butchie before the series, and he's like, you know, we took about 90 seconds off Jack Eichel's ice time. We took about 90 seconds off, and, all, and I, what I wanted him to do was – Relax those 90 seconds and say, work extra hard in the time you're playing and play the 200-foot game. That's what you have to do. You have to play the 200-foot game. And if you're in those extra 90 seconds, maybe you don't have the juice to do that. It doesn't seem like a lot of time, but it is. 90 Mm -hmm. seconds is a minute and a half you take off someone's ice time. And he wanted him to be a complete player. And and, and join join the rest of the group here, this team in, in Vegas, that plays this way. This is the way they're going to play. And and he bought in, and he's and he's doing it. And we have highlighted him more, back checking, and winning battles in corners than we have some of his offensive plays. Mm. I mean, he has literally been that good on both ends of the puck, and you could tell he is totally bought in. Uh, I recall in January, Cassidy called him out. 
he said, hey, we're just not getting enough out of Jack Eichel. Yeah. And, and that was in January. And Bruce Cassidy, he, he, this is right out of Bruce Cassidy's mouth. This is a quote from Bruce Cassidy. If you don't have accountability, you do not have a team. And that's exactly what this team is. They're accountable. And Jack Eichel is accountable. And how about this? You can give Connor, Connor McDavid is the, is the best player in the National Hockey League. Yep. You know, he may be the best player in history at the end of the day. Who knows? But mm. this is a guy that will have all kinds of awards and accolades. But Jack Eichel might be the one walking away with his name on the cup. And you know that's not going to sit well. And that's going to be even more drive for uh, number 97 that, if, if, that was, if that was to happen. That, that will burn. You, I mean, you know Connor McDavid. That will burn deep in, in McDavid. Oh, yeah. and, and, and that will be rocket fuel. Let me get to uh, let me get to Dallas here with you. Now, Jamie Benn, the two-game suspension, um, came down yesterday late afternoon. Uh, from the NHL's Department of Player Safety. So no Jamie Benn. First of all, you have a thought. I, I'm trying to figure out here. I, I understand, okay, every time we, you know, we're up against Petrangelo, get a lick in. Every time we got a chance on Mark Stone, get a lick in. I'm still trying to think. I know brain cramps happen. You played, Gary. Is there any way you can look at what Jamie Benn d- did to Mark Stone and say, I kind of get it at all? Well, You know what? Listen, uh, you know, uh, in a split second, people make mistakes. They just, they, I remember in a game when I was playing in LA with Rob Blake and, you know, you know, Rob, Rob could get to a snap, you know, at times. I mean, a wonderful player, such a, such a hall of famer and uh, what a great guy he is. But, uh, so, you know, you just, he could get to a snap moment. And I remember we were playing Detroit and he just right across the cheekbone, whammo, he just get, and then, when I got in the locker room, I, I, I kind of looked at him. I was like, and he was like, was it bad? He didn't, he wasn't even in live in the moment. It was just adrenaline and, yeah. and uh, or whatever hit him and bang, it happens. And for Jamie Ben, I watched him skate off the ice when he left the penalty box to leave. His face was blank. It was just blank. He didn't have a reaction. He didn't look, he didn't look anything. He didn't look upset. He just was blank. It was almost like in a split second or two or three seconds, he lost control of everything, and mm. he and he forgot where he was, and he forgot you know who he was. He's the captain of the Dallas Stars. He's an integral part of that team. Uh, you know, I have a ton of respect for him, uh, and, and I'm thankful that that Mark Stone didn't get hurt. This is a guy who had two back surgeries, and you're coming down hard on his neck and and whatever. So I think I think Peter DeBoer said it right. He said he made a mistake. We're glad that Mark Stone's okay. And a lot of that is soft sell because you don't want to get the suspension, right? Yep. And people are saying, well. He technically already missed a full game anyway. So, you know, so are you going to give him a game? He's already missed a full game. Uh, you know, Petrangelo, you know, Tomahawk, Reisidel, he didn't end up being hurt either. So there was only one game there. If you're going to Tomahawk someone and get one game, he's already missed a game anyway. A lot of people felt like this one might go through. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wasn't sure. I thought there was going to be something uh, and, and be held accountable for it. I think both of these incidents deserved more than what they got, uh, but everyone always justifies it with the playoffs, right? Well, it's the playoffs. One game is worth how many? I don't know. But yeah. you you tomahawk somebody uh, over the arm like that, and you cross check someone in the neck like that. I think there has to be stiffer penalties. And but they're you know I don't know. That's just me. That's just that's just you me. know it, it's funny too because we do that. We compare one to another and the environment and the playoffs and the multiplier and and all of that. And uh, honestly, I I look at the uh, the Petrangelo Dreisaitl and say. Given what we've seen in the playoffs, that one felt like two to me, and Jamie Ben felt like three. 
Because yeah, that's a that's sure. that, that's a that's a that's an opponent who's on the ice and it's a violent cross check downwards at the head. That one felt like yeah. three. Petrangelo yeah. felt like two. I, I know we're splitting hairs on one, one, essentially adding one game to each, but that's um, that's kind of how it felt. Um, are well, you? If Drysaitel dry, dry crumbles to the ice and he has a broken arm, oh, then it's more. Whole new ball then game. it's more. Then if, it's more. If, if Mark if Mark Stone doesn't get up, yep, this is a whole new ball game. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, full credit to those guys for getting up and not laying there because there, there are guys in the playoffs would lay there and, and try to milk it right out of you, right? And, and you can't blame them, man. It's the playoffs. If you ain't cheating, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, but good on them to get up and good on Dreisaitl to I think the referee, I remember him skating over and Dreisaitl, no, I'm good, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like good on them guys to, to, to keep moving on. I get it. Uh, there's been a lot of experiences where a player will, you know, uh, lie on the ice. And I remember there was, there was I'm not going to say who the player was, but the trainer came out and uh, the, the, the first line was, did we get the five yet? Because I'm not getting up. I'm not getting up until we get the five. Um, are you are you surprised or should we just say, look, man, you dance with who brung you? Uh, are you surprised that we're seeing Jake Ottinger tonight for the Dallas Stars and not Scott Wedgwood? Uh, I, I'm not surprised. I think if they felt like the backup guy was like, an, you know, I don't know, like I, I, not to, not to, you know, say Wedge was not more than capable of coming in and playing as a National Hockey League goaltender, but you know, you got, you got Carolina going to anti Ranta. I didn't care. Like, a, yeah, he didn't play Anderson. It was a lot of overtimes. Rod Brennamore was more than comfortable going with anti Ranta. Yep. If you had a, if you had a B, I'd say I would be shocked they're playing Ottinger because he's been pulled three times in the, you know, and it's just like. He's just, it's just, he's unpredictable right now is the best way to put it. And yeah. that's something that Jake Ottinger is not. Normally he's very predictable. Uh, DeBoer has said he doesn't let games bleed into other games. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I think those plays he made in game two, the bad rebound he let out, and the, some of the stuff in game two was sitting with him still. I really believe that. And on the early end on the dumping, he missed it. And you could hear his, you could hear him express his disdain over missing that dumping. It was it wasn't a hard one. It was one he should have had. It led to the first goal. Now, it it wasn't the dumping that led to the goal. It was uh, missed missed assignments by Pavelski, by Robertson, by a number of people. Lost yeah. battles in the corners. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. But if he stops that puck like he should, if he's locked in and loaded, and he stops that puck. They're deep. Pick it up. It's off the glass. It's moving. I mean, it's it just it just it didn't have to happen like that. It did. And then it just set off everything in the wrong spot. And then, you know, you look at it's a chain of events. I mean, the goal goes in. Ben cross checks him, gets the major, gets ejected. They, you know, they're killing the penalty. It looks like it looks like they're going to kill it off for Ben. They're going to hit the ground running. Barbashev shoots one almost at the middle of the net. Ottinger's moving to his right, way out of control. Yep. It goes in the net. Uh, Kelly Rudy said hit the middle of the net. That's just odd. You know, and then the backhand goal just can't happen. I mean, he's te- he, he, you know, he was out. But uh, DeBoer is going to be coaching there for, you know, a considerably probably a, a long time. So, uh, you know, this is a guy he needs. He's looking at this series. He's going, you know, this is a relationship I want to keep. And I think that he's our best option. And so it's not a shock he's going in. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he's if he's in the right headspace for sure. I, I, I do wonder about the leash here. And I, and I do wonder if you're if you're Dallas, um, you know, what, what do you need to do again? No, Jamie Ben, two game suspension. But, you know, you look at last game and right off the hop, Dallas is on Vegas. You know, Domi takes a healthy run at, at Alex Petrangelo. The crowd is right into it. And then Jonathan Marshall so scores. Boom. 
crowd quiets down a little bit. And then to your point, there's the, the Jamie Benn incident uh, with Mark Stone, uh, Barbashev's course. By the way, to, to, the, to your previous point about, about that, that second goal, Ty Delandria almost scored shorthanded. And just like, you know, yeah. how much how much juice does that give the crowd and your team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this is just more. And then Kerry scores the third goal and it's 3 nothing at the end of the period. And Wedgwood comes in for, for Jake Ottinger. If you're the Dallas Stars, like, what what can you do? What do you need to do so it's not, you know, two sweeps and, uh, uh, sorry, a sweep in each conference? The, the thing they need to do is, 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 is do their best to get energy in the building as soon as possible. Like they did in game... Three, a hit, everything going. It, right just, it just turned out bad. But they're not going to have Ben. And this is the thing that I'm concerned about: is they lost Ben, then they lost Adonov, okay? Yeah. And they lost him in the second period. So now they're short two forwards. Then Domi takes 14 minutes in penalties. So you have strained uh, Pavelski. You've strained Rope Hints. Yep. You've strained all these other guys that had to play short a line. For the rest of the game. And when you're trying to grind a game like that out, it is taxing. And those guys have to reload and get back in tonight. Selfish penalty by Domi. I have been I have been pumping uh, Domi's tires from the start of the playoffs. I think he's been an integral part of the Dallas Stars run here. He was really, really good. And I, I don't know if a play like that in that game really, you know, that that. You know that can that can really set you back in an organization's eyes. It's a selfish play, mm-hmm. it's a, you know, and, and and they had too many selfish plays, you know, and you, you can't you can't get back in the series all in one shift in one period. This is going to be a long drawn out thing that they're going to have to lock lock and load in their brains and say we need to get out there and let's just win the first period. Let's get a lead. Let's get our crowd in it. Let's get going. Uh, and uh, and Ottinger needs to be an absolute stud. He needs to he needs to just be unbeatable. And uh, we know he can be. He's capable yeah. of doing it. We've seen it. So all those things have to happen. Uh, you know, Robertson. Like I showed one clip. You know, and, and it's nothing against him or or any of these young star players that they have because they're going to be so talented. They're so talented. They're going to be mm-hmm. you know so good for the National Hockey League. But they're not battling hard enough. With 50-50 pucks in the corners and stuff, they're just not battling hard enough. Their sticks are up in the air. They're not down on puck. They're not grinding and pushing. Like, to win in the playoffs, it takes it takes an amazing amount of effort and grind to be able to do it. And if you're not – if you're if that's not in your DNA, you've got to figure it out. It takes, sometimes the players will go through a couple of Stanley Cup runs and then realize they got to bring a lot more to the table, even though they're scoring, even though – like, look at Jack Eichel. You know, there's a big difference from the first game he played in to oh, what you're seeing now. Night and I day. Mean, he, he played that first game, and basically, I can guarantee you, not enough, Jack. Yep. That won't cut it. In the playoffs, that's not going to cut it. And then he figured it out. And now he's, you know, he looked what he's playing like now. So these guys need to figure it out. This is a, this is a you know, and, and you can't win it all at once. So mm-hmm. I think win the first period, take it from there. If they can get this and get back to Vegas, then they can worry about winning a game on the road uh, there. But uh, this is certainly a steep hill to climb. It's uh, it's it's a great point. No surfing on skill. It doesn't matter how skilled you are. You cannot surf on skill uh, in the playoffs. Uh, Gary, as always, thanks as always for stopping by. Much appreciated. I look forward to you and John on the call tonight. All right, man. You take care. Enjoy the game. Thank you, sir. Gary Galley from the NHL on Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. Do not forget... 
Uh, game four tonight, Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars pregame show, 730 Eastern. Uh, that is Hockey Central with your host, Ron McLean. And then at the top of the hour, just after 8 o'clock, the puck drops uh, in Dallas. So you can watch it on Sportsnet and CBC. Uh, we'll take a break. Elliot Friedman coming up to kick off hour two. Had to push him to hour two. He had a couple of things to take care of. Bill Lindsay will stop by in a couple of moments. Florida Panthers analyst, forward of former Florida Panther player. And yes, we're going to revisit 96 and the rats and all of that again with, uh, with Bill Lindsay. Bill also does some great work on the NHL network. So more Panther talk. In moments, as they've punched their ticket, and now they await. Will it be Vegas? Will it be Dallas? I'll tell you what it is going to be. That is next. Bill Lindsay on the Jeff Merrick Show across the Sportsnet Radio Network simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Don't forget, top of the hour, Elliot Friedman stops by. Uh, news of the day, what's happening around the uh, the NHL. And further preview of tonight's Game 4. We had one sweep. Do we see two? It is the Vegas Golden Knights facing off against the Dallas Stars. Mentioned uh, one sweep last night, and that is the Florida Panthers. In spectacular and dramatic fashion, four one-goal games. And cue the heroics. Matthew Kachuk once again uh, here for comment. Panthers analyst, uh, former Florida Panther, former NHLer, does Yeoman's work on NHL Network as well. He is Bill Lindsay, and he joins me now. Bill, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing, Jeff? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, first of all, as as you know, Matthew Kachuk scores. And, I mean, there's so much in the celebration. You know, uh, uh, Paul Maurice. You know, with the short jab and Jamie Compon's rib, ribs. Uh, last night, getting the guys away from Matthew Kachuk, let him breathe, give him give him oxygen to Matthew Kachuk's celebration. All of it last night. As you look back, like what stand in those those dying seconds? What stands out initially here as your favorite memory from last night? The favorite memory from last uh, night is just just watching this team just all the way through how they. They compete with the goaltending, the block shots, uh, Kachuk, the big hits by Bennett. When you watch the Panthers play, you see everything. You see speed. You see good defensive hockey. But the favorite memory has to be the the Kachuk goal. It's tied 3-3 late, Fost, and looks like this game is destined to go to another overtime. Stahl takes the, the tripping call. And what was kind of the separator in this series these teams are so evenly matched at, at even strength, and the penalty killing is so good on the other side for Carolina. And the Panthers' power play wasn't unbelievable, but at mm-hmm. key moments in this series, they did the did the damage. Uh, you look back to game game number two, Kachuk overtime gets a chance on the power play, scores the overtime goal. Only one goal in game number three that comes on the power play by Sam Reinhart. They end up winning that game, and then you get a chance late on the power play. And Kachuk and his patience and his time, he can be in uh, game one. He was invisible, that Mm -hmm. long overtime game. He did nothing. Maybe his worst game of the playoffs. Uh, He had two shots from the outside in uh, almost seven periods of hockey. His third shot, he gets in, in the slot, and he ends up being the hero. If you look back and ask him, it'd probably tell you that, that was the worst performance that I had in this 
in this playoffs up to this date. Mm-hmm. This, the team weathers storms. Uh, you could go back, clutch moments time after and time again, but uh, just the Kachuk one stands out uh, to me as he's rewriting not only Panther history, but NHL history. Mm-hmm. You know, there's... um. There's a, I think we're all trying to figure out why this works in Florida. And there's a, there's a, there's a lot of different reasons, but there's, there's one thing, like there's sort of an undercurrent of like, there's kind of this expansion, like I'm talking about Vegas and Seattle expansion vibe about this team. Now, now hear me, hear me out on, on this logic here. There's a lot of players on this Florida Panthers team that have found a home and have found a place to play and have found a role to play, whether it's Carter Verhage, who bounced, whether it's Anthony DeClaire, who bounced, whether it's Nick Cousins, who bounced, whether it's Gustav Forsling, who bounced, whether it's Brandon Montour, who bounced. Like, there's a lot of players mm-hmm. on this team. Josh that, Mahura. Uh, yeah, that Josh Mahura. There's another one. Like, there's a lot of players where other organizations have said, no, no thanks, we're done with him. And a lot of teams will have one guy on the team that's like that, maybe two guys on the team like that, Bill. But there's more than a handful of guys like that on the Florida Panthers. And I think we're trying to all figure out what's the secret ingredient. Like, why does this all work, essentially? You have to be able to, to figure out those guys. If you want Carter Verhage first, uh, Bill Zito recognized that he was a scoring junior, big-time scorer of the American Hockey League. Yep. Sometimes that does not translate to the NHL. They looked at what he did in, in Tampa Bay, winning that cup as a fourth-line guy. He won puck battles. As he was an analytic guy that they dove in, and they believed, given a chance, that if he gets put into a top-six role, that he's going to be able to produce. And he got that chance in a top-six role, and they weren't wrong about him. So it's just good homework recognizing the player uh, Gustav Forsling is one that's outstanding and you just have to look at his skating ability straight off and this is where mm-hmm. you go to a lot of times can these guys skate same thing with Anthony DeClaire you have the skating ability once you can skate you can play in this league so Gustav Forsling some untapped potential you give him a chance uh, he just continues to excel and they've done that with all of uh, all of these guys they've they were cast off in other scenarios, but they brought him in and put him in positions and said, we're going to give you a chance to succeed in a role. We're going to give you the ice time. We're going to give you the opportunity maybe that you did not have with other organizations. And that's why, that's why they've been able to make, make it work, but you have to evaluate the player and you have to evaluate the character of the player. And that's the big part of it. Does the player have drive? Does he have the willingness uh, to fit into the group, be part of the identity, and that's kind of how you, how how you built this team. So there's a lot of credit when you get the cast offs, and mm-hmm. you can see it on display now. To get this far, you have to have the hearts, and you have to have the have the guts, and willing to pay the price and sacrifice. And all those guys have that kind of in their DNA. So you've you've been able to recognize guys just maybe just not getting chances and put in the right position to do it. So they brought him over and uh, it's all credit to the guys as well, but they, they, you become a team uh, with that and everyone wor- working as one pulling on the rope in the same direction. Uh, so Bill Zito has done a phenomenal job just recognizing the pieces of the puzzle and putting it together where they all fit. 
How much of this, and I'm talking to Bill Lindsay here, how much of this, Bill, is, uh, and, and not to take anything away from the players, because ultimately, I mean, they're the ones that go on the ice, but how much of this is Paul Maurice? Large chunk. I've talked to him a lot, and he came here, to, and I talked to him at the start of the season, and he's trying to put this new new stuff, his system, through through the neutral zone and tried to get to this heavy forechecking system, trying to change from that turn and burn team with a lot of flash to more substance. And he was midseason just kind of frustrated. It just couldn't get there. There was injuries, uh, couldn't get the full lineup, mm-hmm. flu bug around Christmas. And it was always seemed to be an uphill battle. But we beat Boston with one second on the clock. We tied it up, beat them in overtime right before the All-Star break. And that kind of kept us around the playoff pitcher after that All-Star break. You could start to see the identity of the team. It didn't have an identity then you could start to see the identity change. They were grasping on to clogging down the neutral zone, being better defensively, heavy on the forecheck, hanging on to the puck, dump it out, dump it in. So Paul Maurice was able to get that team. He wanted to play playoff hockey during the regular season, but could you get in the playoffs? That's yeah. Uh, we were struggling, struggling. But that's why Alex Lyon had success down the stretch is because the system's we're starting to work and get into place. And Bobrovsky has been out of this world, but it's in large part with the way that the team is playing in front of him. So Paul Maurice is having, and he's injected fun. It's an intensity, but he wants these guys to have fun and enjoy themselves. But so between the way that he's developed and changed the system to playoff hockey format Mm -hmm. and the way he's been able to relate the team to enjoy and be in the moment he deserves a ton of credit okay let me let me ask you about Sergei Bobrovsky because Elliot Friedman and I got into it uh yesterday just you know freestyling and how to hockey conversation in the middle middle of the afternoon about the career of Sergei Bobrovsky and right now he's put himself in a position to not only win a Stanley Cup but also win a Conn Smythe Trophy uh, which would leave us with this body of work. Two Vesna trophies, a Conn Smythe, and a Stanley Cup. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here. The Stanley Cup final hasn't even started, but Bobrovsky's in a position to do this. And I know there are a lot of down years for Sergei Bobrovsky, and I know for the longest time people complained about the contract and, and you know, what, what, what's, you know, this, this is, you know, you know, it's an albatross around the neck of the Florida Panthers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if he does this... Could you not build a Hall of Fame case for Sergei Bobrovsky? It's possible. It's if you look back, two thousand trophies, Conn Smythe. If, if they do win the Stanley Cup, yes, you can build a Hall of Fame case. And Sergei Bobrovsky, it's the work ethic has never wavered, and it's been he's been beat up the first three years of his contract. But the beauty of playoffs, he can play two months like this and make that seventy million dollar contract all worth it in two months. Uh, I talked to the goaltending coach, Rob Tallis, and Rob was talking about, he planned to play 20 games in a row at yep. one point and got run down, but they felt he was trending in the right direction. Then the injury had to take the three weeks off. But during that time, getting ready for the playoffs and Alex Lyon, they knew that they had to start him. It was a hot hand, just like in poker Yeah, that you got to write You got to ride the hot hand, but Sergey Bobrovsky and Rob Tallis had conversations and Bobrovsky was fully supportive of Alex Lyon, and he knew he was going to get a chance. And Rob Tallis said he put in so much work to be ready for when his name was called 
So after three weeks of not playing, he gets put in the Boston series and he hits the ground running and you can see the potential and he's dialed in. It's just never gone, been able to get there. So it's a combination of the way that the team's playing in front of them. Mm-hmm. But for him, it's, it's, it's never wavered. It's just been able to put on, on display at a, at a time. You can, he has the ability to, to, it, it struggle, but you can see the the ability when it's on. It's Hall of Fame level, and it's among the best that you you will ever see at times. And mm. that's been the case in these playoffs. And it it goes to his mindset and his dedication to the craft. Let me, um, Bill. I've only got a couple of moments left with you here with Bill Lindsay, Panthers analyst um, and longtime NHL and former Florida Panther and former Stanley Cup finalist with the Florida Panthers. And I, and I want to finish the discussion here by. By getting some of your memories about 1996, because we're all going to be doing features and radio shows and podcasts and TV specials now, looking back at, at uh, you know the glory time of 1996 um, for the Florida Panthers. Um, what stands out to you? Was it, was it uh, I mean, listen, it's the Rats with, with Scott Mellenby. Um, I was always a huge fan of Robert Shvela. I, I thought that guy was just like, what a warrior, a pucks in the face. Sticks across the teeth, doesn't matter. Keeps coming back, cross checks in the spine. You could do anything to Robert Shvela, and he would still, you know, he would never miss a shift. Injured, whatever. He's always. I just loved Shvela. Uh, but when you look back at, at '96, there are a couple of moments or a couple of teammates, uh, things that come to mind when you think about the Florida Panthers in 1996. And if you have a Robert Shvela story, bless you, because he's one of my favorites. Here's the quickest Robert Shvela story. <laughs> it hit, 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 and the toughest guy I ever played with. He got hit with a puck and warm up right in the mouth, and it's going to require about eight, ten stitches. Does not like needles. Goes in the locker room, and they go to stitch him up. And he said, "You're not putting that needle in my face. Just put the stitches in me." Oh. He didn't want. He did not want the freezing. He said, "Just put the stitches in." So he, he just sat there, and no freezing at all. They put eight oh. stitches in him. And he just kind of held onto a towel tightly, gripped it, <laughs> came out, was ready to ready to start the game, yeah, and went and played the game. So that's my favorite Robert Shvelis story. Not surprised. So go back to the Not not yeah. surprised by the not surprised one bit by that Shvelis story. That guy was nailed. <laughs> he was. And '96, it, it was it was the the people. Um, it was the the community. That's why I fell in love with South Florida, and it's good to see back. But it was, it was the, the people in the, the dressing room, all my teammates. They had so much character, and I learned so much from them. And the biggest thing that I learned from them is that you got to do it for the person beside you. Everyone is working so hard that mm. you are so afraid not to fail yourself, but to fail for your teammate. And when you have that and mm. you have that kind of combination, not only do you have the fa- fear of failure of letting the guy down beside you, but because everyone's working so hard, you can look over to the guy behind you and you say, I trust that guy with my life in every possible situation. I know that he's going to have my back. And that's what it takes to get here at this time of the year. So just year number three, just what was happening down in South Florida, how we captured the hearts oh, yeah. of everyone happening again. But it the just the bond in the in the there is a special bond in the dressing room that you have to have with your teammates to advance. You have to be it ha, the team. You have to be a team, and uh, that's my biggest. Mer- those friendships will live on forever. And if you win a Stanley Cup, uh, 
the greatest quote is if we win today, you know, the quote somewhere is, you know, we'll, we'll be ever linked yeah. forever uh, together. And that that's true. And that 96 team, even though that we did not win, we are linked together as, as friends and we will always, it's like your best friend. Once yeah. you get back together, it's a, it's a bond that, that can never be broken. I love it. Uh, it's the Fred Shearer line. Win tonight, gentlemen. We'll walk together forever. It's a, it's a that, wonderful line, that, Bill. It's a great one. Yeah. Listen, thanks so much yeah. for uh, not only sharing your expertise, but your memories as well. Um, always appreciate it. Be well and enjoy the final. Thank you so much for the time, Jeff. Appreciate it. There he is, Bill Lindsay, Panthers analyst, a uh, longtime NHLer, part of that 96 team that you're going to hear a lot about. Spoiler alert, there'll be a lot of talk about the 1996 Florida Panthers, uh, whether it's Mellonby and the Rats, um, you know, whether it's uh, John Van Beesbrook, whether it's, uh, you know, young rookie Ed Jovanoski, whether it's Johan Garpenloff and Stu Barnes and Rob Niedermeyer and head coach Doug McClain, Dwayne Sutter and Lindy Ruff as your assistants, and Billy Smith as the goalie coach. Uh, get ready, folks, because the 96 stories are coming. Uh, also, here's what's coming up on the show. Elliot Friedman, in a couple of moments, had to push him to hour two. He's going to be joining me in a couple of moments here. Thoughts on what we saw last night? Probably start off by asking him about the Jordan Stahl penalty late. Me? Not a fan. Not in, like, I don't think that's the reason Carolina lost the series. It's not. But at that time, that game against that team. I don't know. Am I just too old school about that one? Or is a penalty a penalty a penalty? Does it matter if it's the first minute of the first period or the dying minutes of an elimination game for Carolina? Elliot Friedman on the other side. Merrick Show continues. Sportsnet Radio Network, Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet Now. Back in a moment. down the biggest trends in hockey. The Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Don't forget tonight, it is uh, game four and we may see handshakes. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights facing off against the Dallas Stars. Uh, Vegas led by Jack Eichel and Mark Stone. The Dallas Stars will not have Jamie Benn in the lineup. You have Genny Dodonoff not in the lineup either. Scary moment in Game 3, too. I haven't really talked about this much. When uh, when he collided with Miro Haskinen, there was some people concerned, me one of them, that maybe, or not Haskinen, rather, uh, Rupa Hins, uh thought that they may lose him, too. Thankfully, not so. Uh, Joe Pavelski did not skate this morning. We suspect it's just maintenance, but around this time of year, who knows? All right, um, so the, the puck drops, by the way, just after 8 o'clock Eastern, CBC and Sportsnet, uh, half an hour previous. It'll be Hockey Central with your host, Ron McLean, uh, your official pregame program of Game 4. Uh, I want to air some of this interview with Jim Nill. So about a month and a half ago, Elliot and I were in Dallas. Uh, really gracious uh, organization, pretty much opened the doors wide and said, you have access to everyone and everything, um, and so, you know, in true 32 Thoughts the Podcast fashion, we took advantage of all of it. Um, and they gave us some really good stuff, and everyone was really gracious and, and really helpful. And we uh, ended up with some good interviews. And this is one of them, if I may pat myself on the back. It has nothing to do with me, and it's all about Jim Nill. 
So Jim Nill is a longtime general manager. Jim Nill is a uh, former NHLer, as we know. Uh, he's from that uh, the GM factory in Detroit. And for the longest time, you can recall, for the longest time, you know, the hue and cry was always, you know, teams trying to peel away Jim Nill to run their team and always the Detroit organization hanging on. And the people there, whether it's Jim Nill or Steve Eisman, always just saying, ah, I'm here at the, uh, the Detroit Red Wings, you know, Ken Holland general manager factory. You can make the argument that right now the factory is the Eisenman factory and one day Chris Draper uh, will be and, you know, uh, know, there'll be a couple of other people as well, uh, perhaps who could become uh, general managers there. Um, But certainly Chris Draper comes to mind. Uh, The Red Wings have always been a GM factory. So Jim Nell goes to Dallas where he's now enjoying a lot of success, has already taken a team to the Stanley Cup final that was in the bubble a couple of years ago. Uh, and now, even though his team is on the uh, the brink of elimination, uh, when the nominations and the final three came out for the general manager of the year, Jim Nill found himself as one of them. This is part of my interview with Jim Nill. The whole thing is available at our Sportsnet YouTube channel. We go over a number of things here. He talks really, uh, really beautifully about his wife um, and goes into to their history and, and how they met and what she means, not just to him, but to the Dallas Stars organization. Uh, we have a conversation about Joe Pavelski, and we have a conversation about the 2017 draft that in the uh, in the halls of the Dallas Stars will live in infamy. With that, let's get to it. Here's Jim Nill, general manager of the Dallas Stars, in conversation with yours truly. Enjoy. I don't recall how close your table was to Florida's, but yeah. when you drafted Robertson, did you hear the Florida Panthers table? I can't repeat the words, <laughs> but were you aware of like, that was that was on Florida's radar? They were taking Robertson, and when Dallas took him, they were um, audibly upset. How about that? Yeah, actually, that there, there's two instances in that draft. Jake Ottinger was another guy that I know that I, I I'm good friends with Dale Talon, and uh, he came over after the Ottinger pick, and then we did the Robertson pick, and it happened again. He came over. You and, got him uh, twice. We got him twice, but uh, <laughs> you know that that shows the respect I got for Dale Talon to the job he did the scouting. Mm-hmm. So he, we're looking at the same players. Teams do such a great job of scouting nowadays. It's if one part of the game in this salary cap world is really def- got so much better it's the scouting now you know it used to be you know back in the detroit days going to europe get getting yep. to russia getting players there's not a team now that doesn't do a, a everybody does a good job scouting and mm-hmm. uh it, it's so tight and so important and uh but no i, I do remember that dale and i talked afterwards uh, those were two of the names that they had targeted and we were fortunate just to be in the right spot at the right time let me ask you about robertson uh marvelous player um, I watched him play in junior in Kingston, and we all marveled at the hands and wondered what he was going to turn into at the NHL level. Uh, on the ice, he's spectacular. Off the ice, I think he's really important for the NHL as well. What goes through your mind, and I do want to ask about the contract here in a second, but what goes through your mind when you see Jason Robertson now? It's the growth. And, and I want to, first of all, the player's going to take credit for this. He's put in the time. You know, a great story. Here, here's a family in California. They... Realize they got, uh, you know, he's got a brother that yep. plays for Toronto. They realize they got something special here. The kids love the sport. The parents get committed to them. They, they move to Northfield, Michigan. Uh, they want to play better hockey. Uh, they go to the OHL and, and perform. And it's the time they've put in to be, and it's not only on the ice, it's what they've done off the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jason came to our first development camp. 
came in a young guy. Uh, we knew the skill level. Skating had to get better. We knew that. But it was off the ice. It's uh, the first time I remember sitting down with Jason and talking to him. You know, at the end of the development camp, we're talking about, you know, here's what you got to work on and stuff. And he was just a bright-eyed kid. He just yeah. sat there and looked at me. Really no emotion in that. Fast forward now to today and to see the personality that Jason Robertson has on the ice. We've seen it, but off the ice. He's uh, he's embraced this moment. You know, sometimes, you know, God gives everybody a gift. And I think he realizes what the gift he has and what he can do, not only for himself personally, but for other people where he's come from and, and I think it's a great gift and he's acknowledged it and to watch him blossom and groom and now you know to sit down and be the guy in the dressing room prankster he's a prankster now mm-hmm. and so he went from this quiet unassuming skilled kid to a guy that now's embraced it and it's, it's a great compliment to him and his family. Do you think he knows how important he is to this game? I think he does but there's but in a humble way you know, he's, uh, you know, there's some guys that come across maybe the wrong way and stuff. It's just him. He's, mm-hmm. uh, and I got to give credit to his family. Uh, his family, his, his mom and dad, his brothers and sisters, uh, you know, great stories. I've got to know his dad really well on the Father's Day trip. Didn't know him much. Now I got to know him. We, we built up a great friendship. And uh, uh, you got to give credit to the family. And I give credit to Jason. Once again, he's embraced this mm-hmm. and he's grown and, uh, He's enjoying it. Can you explain the success of Joe Pavelski at his age on that line, which at times is the best line in the NHL? Like, I've been banging the Hall of Fame drum for Pavelski for a while, if you have a thought on that, great. But explain why this guy is still succeeding at the NHL level, because we keep hearing about aging curves, and guys like Pavelski shouldn't be able to do this, Jim, now. Yeah. Well, he can't slow down, right? He's not, a, he's not fast anyways. <laughs> he, he, uh, I remember a quote one time, somebody told me, uh, and I, kind of, I lived this in Detroit quite a bit too, we'd always bring in you know, Igor Larionov yep. towards the end of his career and stuff. What these guys bring to the team? And I remember one time somebody said, well, this guy's too slow. And I remember the general manager, the coach said, that's okay, he knows where to stand. Joe Pavelski knows where to stand. Mm-hmm. He knows where to go on the ice. When you watch, you watch Joe real close, somehow... And I always tell some of the younger players I have meetings with, you know, I'll bring them in and tell them, you know, in the end it's about winning puck battles. And I always tell them, I say, you know, you're this player A I'm talking to. I said, who's faster, you or Joe Pavelski? And they said, well, I am. Well, who's stronger, you or Joe Pavelski? Oh, I am. And I said, well, then why, when the game starts, Joe Pavelski manages to get in first, somehow in the puck, get the puck, somehow manages a way to win the battle, Mm-hmm. and makes the play and that's what Joe Pavelski is he's found a way he's got great hockey sense he's he's competitive as can be and he just understands the game and he, he's found a way to do all those things and that's something that he's put time in to do it yep and that's the most important thing uh, Hall of Famer Hall of Famer he's you know what he's done it, it's amazing he's just you know like I say he's on one of the best lines in in hockey and he's not just put there just because the other two guys are good. He's fit in with it. He's, he's mm-hmm. made a go. He's the guy that's sitting on the bench. He's sitting there with Rupe Hintz with Jason Robertson, and you're watching, and he's talking to him. Hey, you know, next shift we've got to do this, try that. That's what drives the line. Let me ask about you. There seems to be a real energy about you. Um, I, I suspect you've always had it, but managers, like players, rise and fall, yeah. crests and valleys, all of that, troughs and valleys. Um, 
What do you want to do still? I know Stanley Cup, certainly. But as you look forward in your career, how does it look to you? Well, I, first of all, I love hockey. You know, I just, you know, it, it's in us. You know, same as you. You know, like you just, you, you got something in you. You love doing it. But I've got to that point in my life now where it's about people. And, and I really believe sometimes you're put somewhere to do something. And, you know, when Tom Glarity interviewed me, offered me the opportunity to come here, yeah, at first I didn't know, you know, is this the right move? I had a great situation in Detroit. You know, yeah. it just treated me great. Family's comfortable there. But in the end, it was like, you know what, I think it's time. It's time, and I think this is the opportunity. And you, you know, now I've been here long enough, I've got a great staff under me. I want to see these guys have success. I want to see Scott White, Mark Jenko, Joe McTonnell, Rich Perry. I want to see these guys grow in their lives and and their opportunities and stuff too mm. and I want to see this franchise for Tom sustain it here I want to see Dallas is a great city great city great people we've got a great fan base I want to see this thing be be solid and be a great franchise not just one or two years and then dip I want to see it be steady and, and go from there do you hope for a state rival yeah that would that would be great for us hey, <laughs> I'll, I'll, be, I'll be selfish you'll be great for us so it would be nice to see um, I want to ask about your wife, Becky. Yes. There's, a, there's an old saying that we're all born with two lives. Uh, one, the day that we're born, and our second life begins when we realize we only have one. Yeah. Becky's in a fight right now with cancer. Um, I understand you're the manager, but I'm told she's the glue of this organization. What should we know about Becky? Well, she's just a special person. Uh, anybody that gets a chance to meet her, she's got this glow to her. It's all about people. It's never about herself. Even though she's been put in a situation that's been tough, um, she doesn't take it that way. She knows that there's other people. Uh, you know, right now she's doing treatment right now at a hospital here, actually, and she knows there's people that worse situation than her. And that's just how she is. She, uh, you know, a new player comes in, she's the first one to go meet the wife or the girlfriend or whoever it is, the significant other, and. Uh, help them out, introduce them. Um, she gets to know the staff. We, we kind of chuckle. She, she bakes muffins for every game. And uh, from security guards to the uh, people in the wives' room to sprinkle a couple in some of the players' cars, she just, she just loves, to, she loves to be around people. And she's got an infectious attitude and never quit attitude. And uh, she, she, she's a blessing. And you met when you were playing in St. Louis. Playing in St. Louis. Give I met us her. the story. I met her... Uh, yeah, it was Jamie Baker and I were going to another restaurant. Uh, it was in January. I still remember it. And uh, I went there and we we're heading back. We had a game the next day. So let's stop for a drink somewhere. Went to kind of another restaurant bar. There's these two girls sitting there. One was Becky. Met her and just started talking. Uh, I invited her to come to a game one time. I remember the first game I invited her to. I got in a fight and I was <laughs> I got beat up bad. Do you remember <laughs> I, who it I was? Oh. Um, Oh shoot! It's uh, okay. Yeah, I'm getting old here, losing my memory. But <laughs> but uh, didn't do well in the fight. I came out, I had black eyes, all scratched up. She must have thought, "What is this all about?" <laughs> we went to a restaurant afterwards. I, I picked a seafood restaurant. Found out she can't stand seafood, so I didn't get off to a very good start. But uh, I ended up getting traded about three weeks later. But to we Vancouver. kept in touch. Vancouver. Uh, that's the year we went to the finals, 81, 82. And uh, she was going to college at the time. We kept in touch. I came back for the summer, and here we are. It's uh, been 38 years now, and uh, been a blessing. Five grandkids, 
three children. It's, it's the best. Becky's a fighter. Uh, thanks so much to the Dallas Stars uh, back then making uh, Jim Nill available for that long forum interview. You can see and hear the entire piece at our Sportsnet YouTube channel. Uh, Dallas Stars trying to stave off elimination. Matt Marchese, the Vegas Golden Knights are just steamrolling. They look so good. And as Gary Galley mentioned off the top of the show today, the Dallas Stars completely came unglued in game three. Uh, Max Domi going at Nick Hay, going at everybody, really opened the game with a great hit uh, on Alex Petrangelo, thought that would set the tone and get the Dallas Stars going. Uh, instead, it was the opposite. We all know about the Jamie Benn situation uh, and now the t- subsequent two-game suspension for the cross-check to the head of, of Mark Stone. Um, this is a team right now where there are a lot of question marks, a lot of question marks about discipline, a lot of question marks about net minding, and now a lot of question marks about where the leadership comes from on this team before a crucial game four. Your thoughts on this one, Matt Marchese? Yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see how Dallas comes out tonight because they played a long time without Joe Pavelski. And I understand that maybe Minnesota is a little bit of a different team than than Vegas is, but they had success without, I would say, the the under-the-radar leader of, of that team with Joe Pavelski and it will be interesting, but you know, you talk about the frustration in the game, in that game. And the only thing that I can think of is generally speaking throughout the season, Dallas has, and it's not that they haven't dealt with adversity, but Dallas has kind of been able to do what they want because they're a really good hockey team. And, and Vegas has not allowed them to do that. So imagine going a whole year going, okay, we could just, you know, we could turn it on. We're ready to go here. You know, our top line can score with the best lines in hockey. Maybe they are the best line in hockey. And now we can't do anything. We can't get through the neutral zone. We can't create any sort of a forecheck. These guys are blocking a billion shots. So I understand the frustration, but they got to put that aside tonight. And they they really got to get pucks and traffic on Aiden Hill because if they don't, He's going to have another solid night. Vegas is going to sweep, and then it'll be over. Uh, by the way, Aiden Hill, and I yep. know that Bobrovsky and and Kachuk and and Eichel are getting a lot of uh, flowers for their playoffs. Yeah, but I think Aiden Hill is a real under the radar con Smythe candidate because ever since he's come in, his numbers have been fantastic. Mm-hmm. And if they do win, Aiden Hill is going to be a big part of that if they can get through the Florida Panthers and the Dallas Stars tonight. Now, Maddie, I'm new to hockey. I don't know a whole lot. Is a 940 save percentage good? Is that a good thing for a goalie to have? I'm kind of new to this sport. Kind of good. Kind of good. And you know, that's why I think that he's there. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned what the um, uh, what the Vegas Golden Knights are, are you know able to do here against the Dallas Stars. And I think it was uh, Elliot or someone on the panel the other night, you know, bringing up the name uh, William Carlson. Now, William Carlson uh, has done an exceptional job all playoff long. Not just right now we're seeing against the Dallas Stars, but, you know, maybe most specifically against Connor McDavid. Uh, and the Edmonton Oilers, you know, when a team makes it to the Stanley Cup final, you end up having the conversation about the unsung guys uh, on the team. And when it comes to the Vegas Golden Knights, we're going to talk plenty about Marsh so and we'll talk plenty about Mark Stone, and we'll talk about that top line as well. Ivan Barbashev, so good. Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, you mentioned Aiden Hill, going to get a lot of headlines. William Carlson's been awesome. William Carlson has been outstanding. The fourth line with Carrier, Bluger, and Kolasar really contributing as well. I still maintain they went 
to Teddy Bluger because they couldn't get Dallas to give up Radic Faxa. And that's one of the players that Vegas has always tried to get. Anyhow, this should be a fascinating game. Should be a good one. Game four tonight. Free game at 7.30 Eastern. Hockey Central. With your host, Ron McLean. Puck drops just after 8 o'clock on CBC and Sportsnet. Game four. Dallas. Vegas. We'll talk all about it in 22 hours, shall we? Talk to you tomorrow.